electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Our breaking news coverage continues this hour. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, the president testing positive for COVID. Stocks falling sharply on that news, recovering a bit right now. Markets also reacting to the latest jobs report, which is raising questions today about the pace of the recovery. We're following all of that with our investment committee. With me for the hour today, Jim Labenthal, Pete Nigerian, Shannon Sakosha is the chief investment officer at Boston Private Wealth, and Degas Wright is the chief investment officer of Decatur Capital Management. We'll get to the markets in just a moment. We do begin, though, with our top story, the president and first lady testing positive for the coronavirus. Our Shep Smith joining us now with the very latest. Shep? Scott, it's noon on the East Coast. Here's the news from CNBC. The president and first lady are positive for COVID-19, now in quarantine at the White House. The first lady reports she has mild symptoms but feels good. The White House says the president has mild symptoms with no further description. The Republican leader of the Senate says President Trump was in good spirits on a call this morning. NBC News reports yesterday he seemed tired and had a raspy voice. Remember, there is no approved drug to fight illness in its opening stages. Doctors say COVID-19 patients who are older and considered technically obese are at a higher risk for more serious complications. President Trump is in both categories. The White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, says he expects there will be more positive tests in the president in or in around the president. In the first public statement on this, he spoke about just one hour ago. He continues to be not only in good spirits, but very energetic. Uh, we've we've uh, talked uh, a number of times this morning. I got the uh, five or six things that he had tasked me to do like I do every single morning. And uh, uh, he, he uh, is certainly wanting to make sure that we stay engaged. I think uh, the other thing that is, is critically important, uh, the, the doctors continue to uh, monitor both his health and the health of the First Lady. Meadows in the last hour, the Democratic nominee Joe Biden sent his thoughts to the president and first lady for a swift recovery. News that the president's close advisor Hope Hicks tested positive came last night. Now they're testing those in the president's orbit and in the White House and beyond. Contact tracing beginning as well. Results today from people around him. This just in, the Republican Senator Mike Lee of Utah just reported he too has tested positive for COVID-19. Today, the president's daughter Ivanka and, and Jared Kushner negative. Same for son Barron, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, Attorney General, and Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, all negative. The RNC chair Rona McDaniel also tested positive for COVID-19, but early indications are that's a separate matter. Updates throughout the day as developments warrant. Tonight on the news, the contact tracing, the effects on the campaign, updates on the president's condition and world reaction, 7 p.m. Eastern, CNBC. Scott? Shep, and, and borrowing something from your show uh, this evening, the truth, the facts, they're never going to be more important than in situations like this. It raises questions of what we as the American public have the right to know and when we have the right to know it. Well, the White House did not release the information on uh, Hope Hicks. Remember, 
She is a very close advisor, said to be with him multiple times uh, per day. That word came from a reporter. Uh, the rest of the information that's been coming out in the very early hours of the morning, we don't know exactly when the president found out that he was uh, tested positive. We know that he spoke to Sean Hannity on Fox News Channel last night uh, about the testing that was going on uh, and about Hope Hicks. Uh, it was later in the early hours when we found out he was positive. It's this contact tracing that's going to be so important, Scott. Uh, it's complicated and involved, and we have two correspondents on that. World leaders from overseas tonight as well, so lots to report. And we'll look forward to that. Shep Smith, thank you very much. I mentioned we do have the investment committee with us today. Markets, as you know, are on the move. Uh, central questions that need to be answered. Jim Labenthal, I'm going to begin with you. Um, what, this, the, what this news does today uh, to the pace of the recovery, how people react, how businesses react to this news that the president has now tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, great question, Scott. The reaction today, and I emphasize today, is that uncertainty, which was already high, is now even higher. But, you know, when you get past today, whether you're an investor or a business leader, you've got to look further and you've got to say, look, the recovery is still in place, notwithstanding the bad jobs number. The economic statistics have been coming in better than expected. I do believe you'll get fiscal stimulus. I can't tell you when and I can't tell you how, how high it's going to be, but I believe you'll get it. And I don't think you're supposed to bet against the recovery. Let me put it another way and let me put it very simply. If people are taking today's news and the uncertainty that it contains and saying, hey, I want to move to cash, I want to get out of stocks, history shows that that is a bad move. You need to stay invested through volatility. Otherwise, you miss rallies like the last quarter gave us. I don't want people to miss those rallies. The, the, Please stay invested. The issue, Shannon, is we don't know how the consumer is going to react or how states or businesses will react to the news today and if it causes anybody to dial back in their behavior. I, I think it's more the latter, to be honest, Scott. I think it's more about the um, different state and local governments and how they're reacting to this news. I think that the narrative shift is what you're seeing reflected in the market trading today. We were very bold up on reopening. We were looking past the election, which I think we should. Uh, but we have seen moderating economic data. This is what we were expecting. We weren't expecting the data to continue from a percentage perspective to be as strong. And so having had the returns we experienced in July and August, have, you know, attributing those primarily to reopening, could this slow what's happening? I also think there's, there's data to highlight here. We're seeing hot spots once again in New York City that just reopened for indoor dining. We're at a very important inflection point, and so the markets are digesting the, per, the, the potential for these reopenings to be pulled back or slowed as a result of both a second wave, but also this very real um, individual in the president testing positive right. that certainly debunks some of those myths that we've heard over the last couple of months. Shan, forgive me for, uh, for jumping in. Um, it, it's a good point you make, and we'll get back to this conversation in just a moment, but we do have breaking news regarding the stimulus talks, and Elon Moy has those from Washington for us. Elon? <coughs> Well, Scott, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer was just speaking on the floor and said that negotiations on another COVID relief package continue between Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. He said that they are negotiating with goodwill and they both want to get to an agreement and that talk could bear fruit perhaps as soon as 
this weekend. Now, this seems to be a very different place from where we were last night when the Democrats passed their $2.2 trillion relief package on the House floor along party lines. Pelosi was asked about the possibility of a deal coming together despite that vote, and she responded, I don't know. It just depends. We'll see. But the administration and the Democrats had actually come closer on the testing provisions within the bill. The Democrats had asked for $75 billion for testing, tracing, and treatment. The White House, in its latest offer, had matched that. Pelosi had said they were there on the dollars. They were just tweaking some of the language. Uh, Scott, I have reached out to the Speaker's office to see if she is going to be in contact with the Treasury Secretary today. I will let you know when I hear back. Back and, over to you. Uh, I appreciate that, Elon, very much. Uh, Elon Moy down in Washington for saw the market moving a little bit higher um, uh, off of the news that Elon uh, was bringing us. And you did have uh, House Speaker Pelosi earlier saying we will get something done uh, now, sort of underscoring will. It all takes a further meaning today, of course, because of the jobs report, which did miss expectations, 661,000 versus an estimate of 800,000. Uh, so, Degas, I'm wondering how we should factor additional stimulus into the way we're thinking about the market, and certainly the president uh, and his diagnosis in context, too. Yeah, Scott, what this reminds me of is that today the challenge of political courage looms larger than ever. And that's a quote from Profiles in Courage by John F. Kennedy. And so then Senator John F. Kennedy in 1955. So what we're seeing is a movement with a, sim a stimulus package, and it's a possibility it could get done now. And so we hope that that moves forward because we need that. The economy needs it more so than probably the capital markets because we're seeing that the economy is definitely a disconnect from the general capital markets. And so, but we're seeing a pullback in the general market now too. So we, this stimulus is important and it's probably more important from the main street for the business owners than even for the capital markets at this point. So we hope that uh, the Congress can come together and put forth that package. So Pete, Peter Bookvar, uh, bleakly today out with a note, uh, Trump getting the uh, coronavirus is not a reason to, st uh, to sell stocks, he says. Uh, Jim Cramer today, have your buy list ready. Fundstrat's Tom Lee, uh, today's news marks a positive turning point, he says. Uh, hear me out, he goes forward in, in saying, uh, Trump getting the virus repudiates those skeptics of the needs for masks, PPE and social distancing, he says. This should boost compliance considerably and make many rethink masks, especially since we know a lot more staffers will get infected. This is somebody who has argued for the reopen stocks, if you will, the epicenter stocks, though we are seeing some of those today, Pete, whether it's cruise ships or airlines or anything related to entertainment or gaming uh, fall off a bit on the news of the president. Yeah, no doubt. That was the initial reaction. And, and, and we all understand exactly why I think. You know, before we went to Elon, if you were going to come to me before that, I was going to say, I think the stimulus is the big deal. That's the story of the day. Obviously, we are concerned about the president and the first lady. That, that is something that it's terrible to hear about that. Obviously, we looked at these numbers today, the job numbers. They weren't very impressive at all, but we sort of expected that, as, uh, uh, as somebody had already discussed. But I think the reality is, Scott, that we are looking and, and, and right down the barrel of when are we going to get this stimulus, and maybe maybe that's going to happen over this weekend. As a matter of fact, I actually feel like that is the case. That's why I think today is a great day for a lot of acquisition of things and, and seizing opportunity. And I know that's sort of what Jim Cramer was leaning towards as well, which is 
there's going to be some selling. People will first sell because that's the first reaction they get when they're reading all of this news. But I think the reality is there are plenty of different areas in the marketplace right now where we have an opportunity for a nice rebound, especially if we get that package. And I think we will over the weekend. I see you doing a lot of that, Pete, sort of putting your money where your yeah. mouth is, so to speak. Um, you bought calls in Datadog, uh, more calls in Apple, mm-hmm. uh, NVIDIA, yep. Twilio, Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard. Uh, Xping, uh, it's a Chinese uh, uh, EV company. Tell us about that. EV company, yeah. Well, I just saw, you know what, over the last couple of days, Scott, we've seen all kinds of different opportunities, and, and I think that you have to trade these markets as if we are going to get some sort of stimulus package. That's something that I think we are all counting on. I think we've seen some progress. We keep hearing the, la- the word language. If we can work on the language, well, Eventually, I think they're going to get that. So because of that, Scott, I think it does open up for opportunity. And I think there are names that can still have significant moves to the upside um, from where they are right now. And so that's part of the impetus of this. I've seen the unusual option activity. A matter of fact, across the board, Scott, where we have seen some of the biggest plays within the unusual options that we've been seeing over the last, call it three, four trading sessions, has been in a lot of various technology names and some of the industrial names. And so because of that, that's given me a lot more comfort in the idea of what my gut is telling me is also I am seeing with others that are participating in the markets and putting out some of these huge buys in names like Boeing and Apple and Tesla and Nvidia. Now obviously today some pressure on, but I think in the in the longer term over the next couple of weeks when I say longer term, I think we will see that package soon and because of that I think the markets will react in a positive way. Well they're reacting right now in a positive way as you can see on your screen there. You've got definitely a move higher. I'm wondering though whether you think that this news today uh, in any way will spur this move back into technology, including some of the names that got hit pretty well in September, right? The FANG stocks, for example, Mm -hmm. Pete, were were all down, or most at least were down double digits, including everybody's favorite stock, Apple. So do we now have our eyes keenly focused yet again on tech, and that puts a bit of a lid once again on the so-called value trade? Well, I, you know what, I, I, I've never, as you know, Scott, my big thing is I like to have what I call, you know, stocks that you can look at these stocks and they're quality. And so I'm looking for quality names and obviously if they've got growth, well, a lot of quality names with growth are in that FANG world and especially in the NASDAQ world. So that I think is part of the reason why we've seen that. But that doesn't mean it's exclusively just to those names. I think there are other names out there that still have plenty of upside. We look at the truckers, we look at the rails, we look at all kinds of different other areas of transportation and so forth. I'm not talking about the airlines though. I'm talking about those others that are moving things around the country. And because of that, I think there are a lot of other opportunities, but certainly technology, yes. I am seeing paper that's telling me yeah. that technology is going to have a second wind soon. Hey, Pete, bear with me a second. I'm going to go back yeah. to uh, Elon yeah. Moy in D.C., who has more breaking news regarding stimulus, specifically on the airlines, which, Elon, I see now uh, whose stocks are moving higher. Uh, that's right, Scott. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi just issued a statement calling on the airlines to hold off on furloughs because she says that Congress is working on relief. Her statement says uh, that relief for airline workers is being advanced in Congress, that Congress will either advance a bipartisan standalone legislation or achieve this as part of a comprehensive negotiated relief bill that would extend the payroll support program for another six months. She said the initiative is focused solely on the workers, keeping them on the payroll so these workers can maintain their critical training and certification requirements that are unique 
to the industry. She said the job cuts would be devastating. And Scott, this does seem to echo the sentiment we just heard uh, the majority leader express on the floor that the negotiations on a bipartisan relief bill seem to be ongoing, even though hope had faded. Uh, these talks are clearly moving forward now and Pelosi issuing a statement calling on the airlines to hold off on furloughs. Elon, I appreciate that. Uh, noticeable moves there in all of the airline stocks. I also want to read to you at the uh, very bottom of our screen, which I'm just noticing, Vice President Biden, uh, Dr. Jill Biden, his wife, a negative. They have tested negative for the coronavirus. We have been waiting for those test results, so we have those now. Overall, you can see the stock market has moved well off of its lows. Remember earlier today on news of the president's positive test, then this disappointing jobs report, relatively speaking, again, 600,000 jobs, nothing to sneeze at. But again, expectations were for better than that, around 800 or so. So we're adding jobs back, but the pace of the recovery is slowing a bit. So the market was a bit uneasy with all of that. However, we're moving the ball forward on stimulus. That is clear. And you can see that movement, Degas, specifically mm -hmm. in the airline stocks, which Elon was just telling us about. I'm looking at United Airlines on my screen right in front of me, which is nearly 4%. The S&P is now only down 20. The Dow's down but 50. And there you see a perfect example of United, which is spiking on the news that Elon was bringing us on those comments from the House Speaker. Yes. And so what we're also seeing is that the market was waiting for good news. And what we're seeing is that as the good news comes, stimulus package, we're going to see a, a bounce off of these lows. And that was critical for the success of the market. And also it's going to help that Main Street, that small business owner. We're starting out hearing good news about the airlines. And that's probably going to mean that the stimulus package is going to be impactful and help the economy move forward. Shannon, if you needed another um, reason to understand why this market is where it is and why it's come so far since the spring, this underscores it. Because you're going to get more stimulus, it seems. You've already gotten a lot. The Fed is so engaged and it's not going anywhere. And this is yet another reminder of where we are, even in the face of so much uncertainty. The pace of job growth now slowing, as we learned today, a positive test from the president and the first lady in the White House today. And yet the market is able, at least at this moment, to move past it because it believes more stimulus is coming. And it always knows that the Fed is there to pick up the pieces at the end of the day. I think it's important to, to note the importance of fiscal stimulus. Um, clearly, this moderating economic data shows how impactful the CARES Act really was. And the Fed has essentially said this as well. The Fed can create conditions, financial conditions to support recovery. But it's well documented that historically, to come out of a recession, you need meaningful fiscal stimulus. I think another stopgap bill here to be able to protect some of the provisions that we saw that, that expired in the CARES Act is important. Even more important is the appetite for Congress to want to do something bigger next year. From an infrastructure perspective, um, to be able to reaccelerate growth in the economy, I think this shows that Congress is willing to do what it takes. I know there's going to be a lot of pundits out there who are talking about the deficit. That's going to be a future problem for the United States right now, the commitment to stimulus and that tailwind from fiscal stimulus, not just from monetary stimulus, is really what's going to create an opportunity for economic growth next year, which is what the story should be and what our focus should be. Which is why, Jim, people like Brian Belsky at BMO continue to believe the S&P 500 is heading higher. He goes 36.50. He's sticking and confident, he says, in his year end price target, 36.50. That's 300 plus points. 
300 points higher for the S&P yeah. 500. Soon be entering, though, the, the market will, as he says, the most volatile time of the calendar year. So we shouldn't be surprised to see price swings during the period. But once you, you know, once the dust settles, if you will, you're still going to have a much higher S&P 500. Yet I talk a lot about what Pete's doing. And Pete says there's so much opportunity out there and he's putting his money to work. You're not doing anything today. Why not? Well, a couple of things here. First off, um, just to, to mirror Brian Belsky, we have a six-month target of 34.27 on the S&P 500, which implies better than average annual returns on the S&P 500 from here. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I did buy some Walmart and Microsoft, but I've held off since then. That was right at the. That was last week. That was right at the the low of the correction. We talked about it. Right now, what I'm waiting for is the third quarter earnings season to come in. Last quarter was terrific. We've had basically no pre-announcements going into this third quarter earnings season. That's a very good sign, but I expect that there's going to be stock-specific dislocations that I want to put my remaining 9% of cash to work during. And, you know, just to, to go back to Brian's target and my target, I, I have to make this point very clearly. This is not a time for a hero to come out and say, hey, let's go all the cash or let's go all in. Pick your spots, okay? Yes, we're going to have volatility over the next couple of months, but it's a setup for 2021 with fiscal stimulus, with monetary stimulus that should give us nice returns in 2021. You've got to pick your spots now, though. Don't try going all the cash. You're going to hurt your long-term returns doing so. Dow Jones Industrial Average has now gone into positive territory, about six points or so. Uh, the ball really moving, it seems, on stimulus, specifically relating to the airlines. Our Phil LeBeau joining us now with the very latest. Give us some color, uh, Phil, on what all of this means as we're seeing a noticeable jump in all of these stocks. Well, Scott, let's be clear. American and United, who are the bulk of the furloughs that have been announced that went into effect starting yesterday, both of those airlines have said and did say on Wednesday, look, if you can get a deal done in the next few days, we will roll back the furloughs. So brings up the question, are employees being furloughed? Have they been furloughed starting yesterday? Yes, that continues. However, I have talked with executives at these airlines and they've said, look, we stand by our pledge. If they come through and they pass some type of an aid package, let's say later today or tomorrow or soon, not like three weeks from now, but soon they will roll back those furloughs. So those employees who did receive furlough notices, who were told, you know, effective yesterday, look, don't come into work. You have been furloughed and the process has begun. That continues until there is an aid package that is passed. But clearly, Scott, this is good news, and that's why not only American and United, you see those stocks moving higher, but for the entire airline industry. I mean, this is the bridge that they're looking for through March of next year to keep the employees on the payroll. And most significant of all those employees, not that it's not significant for everybody, but most significant, the pilots, because it's very costly to furlough them, then bring them back into uh, training so that they are FAA compliant. You use an interesting word, uh, a, a bridge. We can't have right. this be a bridge to nowhere, right, Phil? Um, well, you bring this, up a great question. This has to work. It, it, all of this comes down to what do you expect business to be like in March of next year? And we know that the first quarter is, it's always the slowest time of the year for the airlines. Do we expect a surge in travel come January or February? No, not unless there is major advancements when it comes to a COVID-19 vaccine. If there is, and you have fewer areas that are locked down, you have more areas where people can go and visit for a, a long weekend or a vacation, then yes, you will see an increase in traffic. But right now, Scott, 
we're still seeing travel on a regular basis every day down anywhere from 65 to 70 percent. And it hasn't moved over the last month. Yeah. Phil, appreciate that very much. We'll keep our eyes you there. You saw Boeing and all the airline stocks moving on that news. Jim, you you own Alaska. Um, you know, it's not one of the ones we were talking yeah. about now, but it does face the same issues as everybody else is having. Yeah, it does. And what, let's let's face those issues head on. All right. The the 65 percent decline that Phil was just talking about, that's not going away until and unless you have either a vaccine or a meaningful treatment of covid. I mean, that's I, I don't think I'm saying anything provocative there. So the question is, when does that come? I don't know. But looking out March of next year, I would think and hope that there are significant treatments that allows the airline and travel and leisure industries to get back on their feet. Otherwise, Scott, your term is correct. We'll be building a bridge to nowhere. We need COVID treatment or vaccine. What I'm curious to know about, Jim, is, is as, as cautious as you sound to me and you're you know, not being willing to put any money into the market right, right now, what are you waiting for? If, if we're here having a conversation about backstops, for, for all intents and purposes, yeah. that's what we're talking about, right? Whether they come from Washington via stimulus or they come from Washington via the Fed, we're talking about backstops. If you know that, that more is coming and it's, it's going to be there for the foreseeable future, what sign are you waiting for before you would put more of that 8% or 10% yeah. cash that you're holding in, into the market? Well, sort of in my defense, if I can use that term, I'm down from 13% to 9%. And I'm kind of, I'll give myself a little pat on the back there. But, you know, here's the thing. I think you're going to get earnings report. And I think you're going to get some dislocations in those earnings report. Uh, I think the month of October, I mean, I'll be surprised if I go into the election with this much cash. I think this month, with all the news flow like you're seeing today, you're going to get plenty of opportunities. If today isn't the day... Um, it's just because I'm waiting for stock-specific news. But let me point this out. We're talking about the airlines here. I own Alaska. I own Boeing. I own Raytheon Technologies. If the airlines get a shot in the arm, believe me, I'm going to feel it. So I'm, I'm not pushing back hard on you, but I'm not risk-averse. I'm 91% invested in some stocks that are going to perform with a stimulus bill. Yeah, uh, this is maybe more than a shot in the arm. It's an old-fashioned old booster. Uh, we'll see how it yeah. works. All right, let's take a quick break. Straight ahead, we have a CNBC exclusive interview. SoFi CEO Anthony Noto is with us. We'll talk his new dividend ETF, the state of tech, much more. We'll do that when we're back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Welcome back. SoFi is rolling out a new ETF today. Its first offering in the fixed income market gives a new meaning as well to TGIF. For an explainer on that, Kate Rooney is with us with an exclusive interview with SoFi CEO Anthony Noto. Hey, Kate. Hey, Scott. SoFi's new ETF is paying a dividend every Friday instead of every quarter. Ticker, of course, TGIF. 
Joining us now, Anthony Noto, CEO of SoFi. We should also mention former Twitter COO, Goldman Sachs partner and CFO of the NFL. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for having me. Of course. Good to see you. We want to get to a ton of different topics. There's a lot going on today, but let's start with this announcement. Uh, how do you match up what is typically a quarterly dividend with these weekly distributions to customers? Are you kind of holding on to that cash and then distributing that? And then what happens to the money in the meantime? Sure. Um, you know, with SoFi Invest and all of the SoFi products, we're trying to differentiate on selection. And so uh, within SoFi Invest, it's the only place you can buy stocks without commissions, ETFs, now five SoFi ETFs, as well as robo-advisory accounts and cryptocurrency. And our objective with this particular ETF is to continue to give our members access to investment vehicles that are right for them, give them access to things that are differentiated. And so most ETFs or bonds or fixed income securities pay out dividends on a quarterly, semi-annually or annual basis. And so our view is that's sort of driven by old thought processes and old philosophies. Why can't you pay out a dividend more frequently? The money's there, it's being accrued. And so we're going with a higher frequency payout on a weekly basis, uh, sort of like your income from your paycheck. And just to clarify, so you get that dividend every quarter and then you're paying it out to the customer on a weekly basis. Do you hold that cash in the meantime and are you able to monetize that? the, The ETF is investing in high yield fixed income securities. Those fixed income securities are paying out interest based on the securities that we buy. Uh, and so the, the overall administrator for the ETF is managing the cash flow so that it can pay out uh, the five cents every Friday um, as long as you own the, the ETF during the dividend payout period. Got it. And some of these dividends, depending on what you own, could be pretty small. I see Ford in the basket, Teva, Wyndham as well. What should clients expect on average to earn in a given week? If you, um, it's, it's set at five cents per week and depending on the stock price, uh, sorry, the ETF price, which is started at $100, okay. um, it would basically be five cents per week times 52 weeks divided by the, the stock price over that time period. So assuming the ETF price uh, stays at $100, um, five cents times 52 weeks would give you a little bit over a 2% yield annually. Hey, Anthony, Scott Wapner, welcome to Halftime. It's nice to see you again. Congrats on today's news. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. I want to ask you about the broader tech market, and I'm going to take you back. Uh, because in 1999, 2000, you're sitting at Goldman Sachs. You're one of the top analysts back then covering TMT, right? Tech, media, telecom. Uh, when you look at the landscape today, are we heading down another 1999-like road? You know, it's, it's hard for me to make comparisons between today and 1999, given the most significant differences that were enduring a global pandemic. Um, we're also in a period of great political uncertainty um, and economics uncertainty. And so the markets are going to continue to be incredibly volatile. Investors need to be focused on the long term. They need to ensure they're diversified and their dollar cost averaging as opposed to trying to market time. Um, one of the benefits of the ETFs that we're providing to our investors with the SoFi Select 500 at about $10 per, per share as well as something like the gig economy ETF and now the fixed income ETF is we're giving them broad-based diversification um, and allowing them to set up recurring investment opportunities through the app. You can invest every week, every day, and have it preset um, based on the amount that you want to invest. Um, The markets are going to be volatile. Um, I think the time period is very different now than the conditions in 1999. Yeah, I can take one Um, more. 
that time period was clearly um, very disruptive to investing and those that remained focused on the long term and that were diversified and dollar cost average were able to get great returns over the next 20 years. When, when you see you know, some of the activity within the market today, does it give you pause in any way, whether it's the proliferation of SPACs, which everybody's talking about now, um, even some of the other technology stocks that have had just enormous gains and trade at very elevated uh, valuations, uh, the likes of which I'm sure you would have been writing about back in the day. I think the speculation today is as great as it's been in my 25-year career working in financial industries, and uh, that speculation creates a significant amount of risk. And you know, the best thing investors can do is is not try to speculate to focus focus on the long term. The volatility is being driven by different dimensions every day. There's a different news story breaking every day. Some related to the global pandemic, some related to the political environment, some related to the, the global economic environment. So. Um, those three dimensions are very unique to be happening all at the same time. So there has to be a high degree of caution. And the best way to approach that is diversification, long-term focused, and dollar cost averaging into investments. Interesting. I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. I, I hope I know that uh, Kate would like to wrap up with you as well. Kate, go ahead. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Uh, so, Anthony, we talk a lot about this boom in retail traders, especially on platforms like Robinhood. What are you seeing in terms of demand for some of these passive products? You mentioned the gig economy ETF versus individual stock picking? We've definitely seen a sector acceleration in the demand for investing since the beginning of the year. Uh, the number of brokerage accounts on our platform since January 1 has increased about 250%. Um, we were the first to launch fractional shares over a year and a half ago. 32% of all SoFi investment activity is around fractional shares. Um, and then we've seen good uptake in the different ETFs that we're offering as well as other assets like robo-advisory and cryptocurrency. So it's, it's pretty broad-based. We're giving new investors and novice investors access to ways to, to tap into the market in ways they haven't before. And, and the popularity of that is definitely paying off with such significant growth. Got it. Anthony, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate your time. Scott, back Thank to you. you. Kate. And Kate, I appreciate you bringing that interview uh, to us on Halftime. Appreciate it very much. Kate Rooney. Uh, Pete, interesting. You know, I want to focus with you, if I could, on the comment from Anthony on speculation right now, as high as it's been in, in the 25 years that, that he's been watching all, all of this. That give you a little point of caution? Well, it's, it's certainly something that we talk about almost every day, though, Scott. We, we do bring up all these names. We talk about names that don't even have multiples because they haven't even gotten to the point where they start making money. So... Certainly, it makes a lot of sense that people, the speculation is high. People are betting on a lot of different things. And that's the market we're in, as well as the, the idea that look at how many more participants are in the markets based upon the coronavirus, people staying at home and all the rest of that. It all sort of plays together. So is it a little bit toxic at times? Absolutely. Are there some names out there, though, that I think actually can eventually at some point in time not only make money but be very prosperous companies? Absolutely. So I think there are opportunities out there, but you do have to be careful because there's no doubt about it. This is a time not so different in some ways to the 1999 era where there were companies that had all kinds of bells and whistles that looked fantastic, but when are they going to make money? And I think that you've got to be very discerning when you're going through and analyzing what companies you want to look at and trade. What's the most, I'm going to put you on the spot and forgive me for doing it, but I'm just curious and just naturally curious about it. What, what's the most speculative position that you have on right now, do you think? 
Oh, boy. I, I, I would say, uh, you know, they're speculative, but like something like a data dog or even a Twilio. I, I like these names, but Scott, when you look at where they trade in terms of, uh, of, of the fun, fundamental side of things, yes, they've got growth, but, uh, you know, gro- growth is there right now, but there's going to be competition. And I think names like those are some of the names that I think they will survive. I think they will do well. But are they ahead of themselves? Maybe. Um, and, and so you've got to be very, very tactical when you're playing some of these various stocks. That's why those names are not stocks for me. Those are option trades so that I can actually trade the risk that I'm willing to have on in terms of how much premium I'm willing to, to hold on to for upside rather than being in the stock and wake up one morning where it's down 15 or 20 bucks or more. Defining your risk, so to speak, yeah? Yes, sir. All yeah. right, Pete, yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, coming up, the investment right. committee on the hot seat. Why? Because we're doing the quarterly report. The biggest Q3 winners and losers in our committee's portfolios and what they plan on doing with them now. You'll hear the names next. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We are back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back with the turbulent third quarter now officially in the books. We take a look at our investment committee's quarterly losers and winners in our halftime quarterly report. Pulled the names that our traders owned throughout the quarter from beginning to end and get an update on where they stand now. Jim Labenthal, I'm going with you. You've had some good winners. Greenbrier, Qualcomm, Apple up 29, 29 and 27 percent respectively. You've had some big losers. Marathon, Chevron, Kinder Morgan, 21, 19, 19 percent respectively to the downside. Uh, energy's killing you. Are you selling these? What are you doing? It is. No, those are the only energy stocks I'm holding. I'm going to continue to hold them. They each have their own reasons. I mean, I'll focus in on Marathon Petroleum because that's easiest to explain. They are selling their Speedway gas stations for $21 billion. Their market cap right now is $20 billion. So they're about to take in cash greater than their overall market cap. Now, maybe the market's saying that deal doesn't close, but I haven't heard anything like that. If it does close, I mean, what do they do with that cash? They've got a lot of debt. They'll pay down some debt, but boy, they'll buy some stock back, and I'm going to keep holding. Shannon, of UPS, Alibaba, and Freeport-McMoran, UPS is up 50% in the quarter, 5-0. 
Alibaba 36, Freeport 35. Which of those three are you most confident about in the quarter ahead relative to the gains that they've already had? Baba is certainly our highest conviction of those three. We think that um, both the e-commerce and cloud continue to grow. If you like Amazon here in the United States and you can put aside your concerns about U.S.-China relations and any potential impact on the ability of U.S. investors to hold those stocks in China, um, Alibaba should be at the top of your list. What are you waiting for? EOG down 29, Valero down 26, Chevron down 19. You guys love these energy stocks and they continue to kill you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And we actually added to Valero back in May, which <laughs> is even compounding my, uh, my discomfort with this particular name. Uh, but we think the refiners are, are particularly well positioned um, as we see increased demand. And we are anticipating that through next year. Um, these are also the only three energy names I own. Um, and I think I own best in class. And I think you can buy cyclicals at this point that you are, are quality companies producing ca strong cash flow. And there will be a resurgence in these names as we move into 2021. I don't know if I heard you laughing or not, Pete, either. But, you know, energy's been, been punching you around Turn a little too. bit, too. <laughs> you have Chevron. You have Kinder Morgan, which, by the way, you've oh. talked about on this show. You've loved Kinder Morgan for a long time, right? So those are losers. Yep. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we know what's going on with energy. Yep. Um, you mm -hmm. also have UPS up 50, DraftKings up 77, Cryoport up 56. What's the name that stands out to yeah. you, uh, either best or worst, if you're making any moves going forward in any of those? I, I still absolutely love both DraftKings and Cryoport. I think those names are going to continue to go to the upside. I mean, cryogenic shipping with logistics, that's a story that I don't know how much competition they really even have, Scott. So because of that, I think this name has plenty of upside. I think they're, I've, I met the CEO at, at an event at one time, and the guy was just, uh, it's amazing. The story of this company is absolutely amazing. So it convinced me to at least take a look at it. Oh, they have I Minnesota a Minnesota-based company, too, This is not another, this is a Twin <laughs> Cities company, Pete. They're not, no, no, but they're in my second favorite place, Nashville. I mean, these guys are outstanding. <laughs> but, but DraftKings, what I do love about DraftKings, Scott, is this. I mean, when you look at DraftKings right now, you look at their market share, it's unbelievable. When you look at what they are in terms of the annual pot potential of the online betting world, we're talking about 50-plus billion dollars. So I think they're sitting in the right spot. I think they're the leader, and because of that, I think the stock ha still has upside. It almost hits a new 52-week 50 50, high almost every day. I mean, it's been an amazing run to the upside. I took off some calls today that I had on there, but I continue to own the stock. All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. Speaking of Pete, we have his latest trades and unusual activity. We'll do that next on The Half. Virgin Galactic, it's up more than 16% in the past month. Options bulls, think there's more upside ahead. That's what Pete's gonna tell us right now, an unusual activity, Pete. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting, Scott, because it's actually performed very nicely. But they, somebody's out there expecting a really great performance just this month. They're going out to October 30th expiration, so the last Friday, obviously, of October. And they're buying over 5,000 of the 24-and-a-half-strike calls. Top, the stock's trading around 20, and so they're buying the 24-and-a-half-strike calls. That's a pretty significant move to the upside, paying about a dollar for about over 5,000 of these calls. So... They're really looking for something big to happen here, and I'll just real quick touch on Twilio. They were buying next week's 300 strike calls. That's part of the reason I'm in Twilio right now. I'm in these calls. So we've got a little something going to the upside. People looking in a lot of different areas for some big upside 
to still continue to make some moves. And I think these two names certainly could potentially get there. Okay, good stuff. Thank you. We do have more yeah, trades thanks. ahead on the half. And as we go to break, which we'll do right now, take a look at some of the stocks hitting all-time highs today, including Peloton, Datadog, which Pete was talking about earlier, Jim Labenthal's Roku, which we'll hit before we go. We are back right after this. Let's do the futures outlook now. Copper is moving higher. Let's bring in Jeff Kilberg of KKM Financial with more on what's behind today's move. Always a good economic indicator, Jeff. That's right, Scott. It's always been a leading indicator. And Dr. Copper is bullish right now. So it's interesting to see, as we get a better understanding of the pickup in economic data out of China, that is a bullish sign as we see that broad application utilized of copper. So I want to be a buyer here, Scott. Looking at $2.90, that's the level I'll be a purchaser. And we're looking for a target to take out that September 18th high. I want to see my target go up to $3.20 a pound. But I want to be mindful and use a stop just underneath at $270. So this allows us to risk $5,000 to potentially make $7,500. But bigger picture, after Q3, we saw copper have back-to-back -back quarters of gains. Copper was up 11% in Q3. So this is a bullish tone. All right. Good stuff. Good weekend to you. We'll see you next week. That's Jeff Kilberg. KKM Financial. Too, we'll bro. step away. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. We'll get to final trades in a moment. However, take a look at shares of Roku. That's a new all-time high. Back to its IPO of September of 2017. It's up, Jim, it's up 10% this week alone. A lot of people follow you I know. in. I know. A lot of people follow you out of this thing. So you're currently in, right? Yep. Yep. So tell Up me what you're going to do. about 16 in the month. Uh, listen, I'm not being facetious. I'm going to hold it until it stops going up. And I'm not being facetious, <laughs> okay? This stock is a, Gee, is a trading vehicle. The first eight, <laughs> first eight months of this year, it did nothing, okay? You can't trade it when it's doing nothing. But when it catches a bid like it did in August, you've got to get on and you've got to ride that train until it stops. So I'm in until it stops, and you've got to be nimble getting out, which is what I'll do. Okay, you let us know. I know as you always do. All right, I Shannon, you get, the first, you get the first crack at final trades today. Great. My final trade is Disney. Uh, for those of you who are bold enough to go in under 100, kudos. For those of you who have not, there might be some weakness here with the reopening story losing a little bit of steam. If you think about it, you have parks, you have sports, and you have Disney+. Plus. Don't wait for parks and sports to come back before you buy this stock. This was a darling this time last year. It right. will be a darling a year from okay, now. Okay, good stuff. Good weekend to you. Degas? Sony, ADR, Japan, Japanese Consumer Electronics, it surprised Wall Street 300% in August. It has an operating cash flow mm -hmm. of 14%, and it's actually fairly valued here. Okay. Great buy. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Pete, I need a name. I'm going to give you a Levi's. How about that? Jim? Cleveland Cliffs. All right, good stuff. Good weekend, everybody. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. 
Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.